All right, New York Giant fans, it's that time of the week again. Another preview pod going into the Raiders game, 425 at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already, hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Also, share this out as well. So, we're looking at two very bad teams once again. Um, of course, we have the usual segments and the interview slash discussion at the end with Pharaoh NFL. Appreciate him coming on. It was a very good discussion. And, of course, we're going to do that the rest of the season with the other content creators of the other opposing teams that we have on the schedule. No matter what shape the Giants in, if they're losing really badly, we'll continue to preview these games, so on and so forth, till the rest of the season. So, let's talk about the energy that both teams are experiencing, right? I want to start out with the Raiders because it's clearly more interesting in that area. They just fired Josh McDaniels. They fired Dave Ziegler. They fired their offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi. So now their QB coach is taken over as the offensive coordinator. Antonio Pierce, not Patrick Graham, Antonio Pierce has taken over the head coaching spot. And let's be honest. Now, Raider fans, you may disagree with me. People may disagree with me. People may agree with me. I think the Raiders, the rest of the way, if they win any games, it's house money because you're not really given any expectations. Your head coach is fired. It's much like an evaluation timeline for different guys across the roster, whoever they may be in Raider Nation. You know, it could be this guy, it could be that guy, it could be this guy. Um, Josh Jacobs, he's playing the next, what is it, eight, nine games. And, uh, you know, obviously he's due for a contract extension, so we'll see what happens. And, you know, he's very close with Mark Davis, so they're obviously going to edge something out, or at least hope to. And it also depends on the next regime, but you don't know that until they start doing interviews and then they start hiring, which is a whole other process. But the Las Vegas Raiders are going through that again. Um, and to be honest with you, this is not revisionist history. If you guys look at my takes from about a year and a half ago, I kind of called it, man. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the McDaniels hire and the Ziegler hire because they're both New England guys, and McDaniels has proven he's a clown outside of New England. So there's that. And once again, they're playing with house money. They're looking at different guys to evaluate the rest of the season, uh, whether it's Michelin, uh, not Mick Lombardi, uh, the guy, Champ something, uh, is their offensive coordinator, whether he comes back, Patrick Graham, whether he comes back. So he's kind of in a different position than he was a year ago. And Aiden O'Connell, too. I mean, that's a late-round pick for the Las Vegas Raiders, and they want to see him the rest of the way out because they know that Brian Hoyer is not the answer moving forward. And Jimmy G, I mean, he's been benched. So they're looking to satisfy their guys, play with house money the rest of the way, and evaluate. As for the New York Giants, I would like to say it's kind of a half-and-half situation because at the same time, the Giants are still trying to stack up some wins, as Xavier McKinney said. And, you know, I've, lear I've learned not to listen to Xavier McKinney on some comments because he said, well, you know, I thought this organization's mentality down the stretch was to win games, uh, not future stuff, which you guys can read the quotes from New York Post and all these other different areas. So I kind of, like, turned off my head. Um, I turned off my ears, better yet, when it comes to listening to Xavier McKinney. Um, you know, in terms of all that stuff, because, I mean, I don't know if he's even going to be a giant next year. But as far as this goes, if you guys want to look at an evaluation standpoint for Daniel Jones, I mean, he should win these games down the stretch. But 
Um, personally, me, I've already made my personal decision. My personal pinpointed uh, opinion is Daniel Jones is not going to be the quarterback for the future. He shouldn't be because of the injuries and the inconsistencies we've seen the past four to five years and all that sort of stuff. Saquon Barkley obviously is back and no injury designation for him. As far as, you know, some of the other guys coming back, Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas could come back, so that's good. Uh, just looking at an evaluation standpoint for most of it, and I know there's obviously still the believers out there that we can still make a run. I know there's the people out there that want to tank or at least, you know, are rooting for the tank. They're obliged to do so. The team sucks, and that's where we are. And I know a lot of people say, you know, this is a bad football team, and then the others will say, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, we can still stack up some wins. This is a bad football team. So um, not to mention we couldn't get a kicker situation right again, which is something we called for last week, but we didn't get a firm answer on that. Instead, uh, we got Graham Gano missing two uh, very important field goals, and then they're bringing in two kickers for a competition. It's not really a competition because you already signed one to the active roster and one's on the practice squad. So what would you do if Cade York misses a couple in practice and he loses the competition? What would you do? Make him inactive on game day? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, however, with that being said, let's actually go into the injury report. So for the Giants, um, Jashawn Corbin, he landed on the injury report late with a hamstring injury. He is questionable. A lot of people think he's going to be in doubt for Sunday's matchup. We'll see what happens. But I would like to see the Giants use some other running backs, you know, just to see what they got. Can't run Saquon Barkley 3,700 times a game and expect him to be, oh, yeah, he's going to get 200 yards. I mean, that's just not <coughs> efficient running the football. Uh, it's not the way it should be played, and Saquon's not a bell cow back, though they've kind of turned him to one, which is really frustrating for me. Andrew Thomas, hamstring injury, questionable. Uh, he said that if Saturday goes well and he could test a couple of things out, he will be ready to go. Uh, a lot of people have their doubts. I'm just waiting to see what happens because, I mean, it could be Pewitt left tackle and all these different things, and Max Crosby's on the other end, so we'll see. Uh, Graham Gano, obviously, he's on IR. I would like to think he's done for the season. I mean, there's really no point in bringing him back because he has to get surgery on his left knee. I mean, I don't really see a way that he comes back this year. Uh, Darren Waller's out and Tyrod Taylor's out. Hamstring and ribs injury. Uh, I would place them both on IR. You know, open up some spots on the roster. It's four games for the both of them. Tyrod, definitely. Darren Waller, I would say yes because, hey, um, not that like, oh, the season's over at this point, even though it is. But you don't want to be playing footsie with these injuries. You know, Daniel Jones was a whole one thing. Graham Gano was a whole one thing. Andrew Thomas was a whole one thing. But the way the Giants have handled injuries this year has been pretty suspect. And if you haven't called it out already, I would consider calling it out. But um, it's going to be interesting, Neil and Thomas, whether they'll play or not. And it's going to be a big test for Neil if he does play. So let's take a look at the Raiders injury report. Uh, Divine Diablo, he is out with an ankle injury. Um... Luke Masterson is out with a concussion. Tayer Munford Jr., he is out with a neck injury. Robert Spillane is questionable with a hand injury. Practiced on a limited basis the last two days. Um, in terms of that, I mean, that impacts the middle of their defense. They haven't been able to stop the run. 
the defensive linemen haven't been good, and you look at that defensive line just on paper, it, it's not good. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Giants' interior, the way they've been playing for the most part, can have a good couple of uh, snaps, good couple of reps against this defensive line. I think JMS could probably have his best game of the year. Now, again, I might eat my words, but we'll see. Uh, also, as well, uh, Jacob Johnson, the fullback, is out with a concussion. So maybe they'll get another tight end or activate another offensive lineman just to be that extra blocker. Let's take a look at the 2023 team stats for both teams. And both suck in the offensive categories. going to tell you that right now. For anyone coming into this game thinking it's going to be high offense, you are completely wrong. Unless it goes to be a high offensive game and I'll be eating my crawl on Monday. Um, whether the Giants or the Raiders win. So for the Giants, they rank 32nd in its respective categories of total yards and passing offense, 15th in rushing, and 32nd in points per game. The only reason the Giants rank 15th in rushing is because they pounded the ball down Saquon's throat. Defensively, um, total yards per game, 21st, 12th against the pass, 24th against the run, 23rd in points per game, 27th in pass percentage, 6th in run percentage, 29th in pass percentage on first down, 10th in run percentage on first down. Compare that to the defensive metrics, 2nd in blitz percentage, 13th in pressure percentage, and 26th in sacks. The Raiders, 31st in total yards per game, 22nd in passing offense, 32nd in rushing offense, and 30th in points per game. Defensively, 19th in total yards, 9th against the pass, 30th against the run, and 22nd in points per game. The offensive metrics, 6th in pass percentage, 27th in run percentage, 18th in pass percentage on first down, 30th in run percentage on first down, 22nd in blitz percentage, 27th in pressure percentage, and 25th in sacks. So, again, defensively, for the most part, they could clean it up. Now let's go into things to look for, and there's going to be multiple things. But my expectation off the bat is defensive game, you're not going to really, you know, get a high score here because you look at it from a Raiders side. Aiden O'Connell is playing, starting, I believe, his third career game or his second career game. He's played two this far. And, you know, he's going to need help. He's going to need help. Somehow, some way, and there's been a shift, obviously, with the firings. Josh McDaniels didn't like to go to the running game. He was pass, 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 which, you know, is good if it's actually productive and Jimmy G's not your quarterback. But Josh Jacobs is one of the best in the league, and I would like to think that he's going to get a lot of carries this game. Uh, maybe they factor in Amir Abdullah and Zamir White as well. But I would mostly look at... Uh, Josh Jacobs getting most of the carries and whatnot and just the offensive production if there is any. Now, if you're looking for Aiden O'Connell to drop back or quick pass, I'm looking at two guys off the bat which will you know, specify more and players to watch. Uh, those players are Devontae Adams, who obviously is the number one receiver for the Raiders. And you have Michael Mayer, who they drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame. I think he's his security blanket. Now, I don't have the stats on hand as to you know how much he went to Michael Mayer against the Chargers because that was his first game. But, I mean, I would like to think that's going to be an outlet for Aiden O'Connell. And, of course, you'll have Jacoby Myers 
and Hunter Renfro packed in as well. But I think the three main targets of offense, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Michael Mayer, my personal opinion. Now, if you're talking about a defensive aspect approach to going after Aiden O'Connell, it's going to be really like the last two games. This offensive line, they've given up the 10th most sacks in the NFL. PFF likes them as an average unit. Uh, if you look at the metrics, but PFF is its own thing. You guys take it one way, whatever way you want. But I think this offensive line is vulnerable. Like, you know, they could be playing average in some areas. And as uh, Farrell will go on to say in our discussion, they've gotten better pass blocking, but I still believe they're vulnerable. And even if they're not vulnerable, Aiden O'Connell took eight sacks against the Chargers, five to six of them going to Khalil Mack. And, of course, we don't have a Khalil Mack on the roster, but we have Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence who can make Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Christ almighty, Aiden O'Connell, his life, a living hell. So, you know, going up against Jermaine uh, Alamanor, I think that's his name, and even Colton Miller, I think that's going to be a good matchup. We'll talk about that. And, you know, I'm going to look at some other things as well. Um, going to the defense here is more of a Giants standpoint, like down the stretch. Who's going to be in that Leonard Williams spot? Leonard Williams was traded. So now you're looking at, okay, who's going to get the most reps next to Dex Lawrence? I think it's going to be Ashawn Robinson. Now, all these guys except for Riley and Davidson, they're on one-year contracts. But if you're talking about playing the best players on the field right now, I think Ashawn Robinson is number two. Uh, Ash, uh, excuse me, Nacho has probably, he's a bit solid, but he hasn't been impactful or as impactful as a guy in Ashawn Robinson. I think Ashawn Robinson will carry the bulk of those snaps. And, you know, he's probably the best pass rusher out of the backup guys. So I think you're going to look for that to happen. And maybe you'll see a little bit of a, I would say, a decrease in solid play from this run defense. I hope I'm wrong. But also, at the same time, you have Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke playing out of their minds. So there's that. Um, to look at you know the defensive side of things, offensive side of things. I'm wondering as to whether Patrick Graham will try to blitz Daniel Jones this game. Two reasons. Number one, they're playing with house money. Uh, the defensive back end is pretty solid. Marcus Peters, Traven Murrig, uh, Nate Hobbs. And you wonder if he's going to send multiple blitzes because he knows a thing or two about Daniel Jones. And again, you're playing with house money. It's not like you have expectations. Oh, you can still do this, still do this, still, still do that, whatever. I mean... The AFC is pretty packed. They're 3-5, and five, so technically you could still kind of go for a playoff spot. You're not mathematically out of it. But still, uh, there's a couple of things on the table for the Raiders. And, you know, if they want to blitz, they can blitz because this offensive line is going to be in another new combination, however you look at it, whether Neal comes back, Thomas comes back, or it's the same unit we saw last week. And, you know, they're still a little bit vulnerable. Like, we could still say that. Uh, as much so maybe Patrick Graham throws a couple of blitzes I don't expect the Giants to actually no better yet I don't expect the Raiders to have a good game plan stopping the run they might end up um, stacking the box if they do that you got to get some of a, something of a passing game going it's kind of what we expect you know Daniel Jones coming back everyone's saying oh he's coming back you know that's good for the for the Giants and whatnot yeah I mean yeah it could be but we need something going in the passing game we need Daniel Jones to take risks I think that's going to be one of the biggest things. Daniel Jones needs to take some risks. He's going to deal with at least a solid offensive line, not some putrid-ass bullshit offensive line. 
it's performed solid in terms of the low expectations that we do have. So I do think that both sides are going to go through the running game and then factor in maybe some play action, short passing and whatnot, and all that sort of stuff. So let's go to players to watch. We'll start out with Aiden O'Connell. He took seven sacks, so it's not eight. He took seven sacks against the Chargers, but overall has played in two games this year, has a completion percentage of 65.4, 313 yards, a total of one touchdown and two interceptions. So there's that. Again, mostly leaning to the running game, but I would expect some security blanket play. Josh Jacobs, it's a shame how he's been used, man. I mean, you know, they're not a high running team, and I'm not expecting 100% for them to be, but man, oh man, I mean, Josh Jacobs is one of the best in the league. Uh, he's got 3.1 yards per carry this season, which I bet if you look at the stat sheet, that's probably a career low for him. Three touchdowns, 408 yards on 133 carries, and then the next back is Zamir White, 43 yards on 12 carries. That's pretty much that, man. Um, wide receivers, tight ends. We talked about Devontae Adams, three touchdowns this season, 539 yards, 47 catches. Jacoby Myers, 38 catches, 404 yards, five touchdowns. Michael Mayer, 148 yards, hasn't caught a touchdown yet. 11 receptions. Hunter Renfro, 10 catches, 92 yards. I mean, that's just depressing, man. Really depressing. And Hunter Renfro is a really good receiver. You look at the expected O-line. Uh, it's Colton Miller, Dylan Parm, Andre James, Greg Van Roten, formerly of the Jets and the Panthers, and Jermaine Alou Menor. Uh, you look at Colton Miller on the season. PFF has him high-graded. You guys can look at that. Three sacks, one penalty. Dylan Parham, three penalties, one sack, two penalties, two sacks allowed by Andre James, the center, three sacks allowed by Greg Van Roten, and two penalties, five sacks allowed by Jermaine Illuminor uh, on that right side. So the Giants maybe, you know, try to trigger that right side uh, a little bit more than the left. Maybe they do a couple of different things. I expect them to create all sorts of pressure and all that sort of good stuff. Now, the only player, and this is not bias Raider Nation, I promise, but... I was even informed by some Raider fans other than Farrell. They can't get to the passer uh, on a consistent basis. The only one that can is a game changer by the name of Max Crosby. Six and a half sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 22 quarterback pressures, 10 tackles for loss, and 48 tackles. That's about it for their front seven that I would even look to. Now, you could go to Robert Spillane. You could go to some of these other guys. Obviously, Divine Diablo is not playing, but Spillane on the season, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, 65 tackles, one sack, also two interceptions, and a fumble recovery. But, again, they don't know how to stop the run, and he's questionable. You move into the secondary, I'll talk about three players, and then we'll get to the ad break. Uh, Traven Murrig, two interceptions, which is a career high for him. 77.3 completion percentage allowed in coverage, two touchdowns allowed, 138 yards allowed in pass coverage, 85 passer rating, one pressure, one sack, and 46 tackles. Marcus Peters, the veteran corner, four pass deflections, 35 tackles, two touchdowns allowed, one interception, a 66.7 completion percentage, a 98.8 passer rating, 444 yards given up in coverage. You move to Nate Hobbs, who we saw two years ago with the Raiders, caught a couple of penalties against the Giants. Um, has only played four games this year. 
65.2 completion percentage allowed, one touchdown, 86.5 passer rating, one sack, one pressure, 31 tackles. So not bad. Not bad overall for the Raiders secondary. Uh, pretty much an average to a little bit above average unit. Before we get to top matchups, keys to win, all that good stuff, we have to talk about SeatGeek, and that is our sponsor. So if you guys are going to a concert, if you guys are going to a ball game, if you guys need parking passes for some tailgates, whatever you got, SeatGeek has it. Uh, SeatGeek is your one-stop shop. $20 off your entire order with the promo code BigBlueInTheBronx on SeatGeek. So with that being said, there's a few matchups I'm looking for, and it's not too enticing because of the way this game is projected to go, the way many people think it's going to go, including myself. Deontay Banks versus Devontae Adams. Now, there's going to be a real test in here, really two tests, but one being you know very big. So obviously you have the test of Deontay Banks even going up against Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams is, is still dominating this league. He's had some really bad quarterback play over the last two years. Um, you know, he hasn't gotten the ball like he's wanted to, but again, I think he's going to do some simple concepts that may take Deontay Banks out of the picture. And he struggled last week against Garrett Wilson, sort of a similar quarterback situation. Uh, we'll see how Devontae Adams fares against Deontay Banks. D and D if you think about it that way. But the other test I was talking about is if they're going to let him a, cover him overall, B, cover him with safety help, or C, have Adoree Jackson on him. The first two indicate to me that Adoree Jackson will not be a giant next year and that they're trusting Dante Banks to be this number one corner. That's my philosophy. Uh, matchup number two is Dexter Lawrence versus that interior. Dylan Parham, uh, Andre James, and Greg Van Roten. I feel like those guys are average guards in this league. I think Dexter Lawrence can take him to school a little bit. You saw Connor McGovern struggle against Dexter Lawrence. You saw other guys struggle against Dexter Lawrence, and they're not below average players. Connor McGovern's an average center in this league when healthy, um, and Dexter Lawrence took him to town. Xavier McKinney versus Michael Mayer. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. You might even see Jason Pinnock, but I personally think that Michael Mayer is going to be involved a little bit more in this offense as the Raiders go along the rest of the season. And I think Xavier McKinney against Michael Mayer is going to be an interesting matchup unless they shade McKinney to the side of Deontay Banks versus Devontae Adams and maybe put Jason Pinnock there or Cordell Flott or whoever is going to be there. Also, Cordell Flott versus Hunter Renfro. That's going to be a real interesting matchup because Cordell Flott has held up his own for most of the season. And there's some plays where he will you know, have some mental errors, but he's played really well. There's, there's no doubt about that, and I think he could be the future slot corner. Going forward, I hope I'm not wrong with that one. The next one is pretty much one of the more obvious ones, Evan Neal or Tyree Phillips going up against Max Crosby. Now, one of the things, I guess, referencing back to things to look for is how this line will shape up if you have both of them healthy or you if you have one of them healthy. Let's just say you have Andrew Thomas healthy, Evan Neal's not ready. Thomas at left tackle, which would likely, in my opinion, shift Justin Pugh to right tackle, take Tyree Phillips out of the equation, Bredesen at left, Schmitz at center, and Glewinski at right guard unless they want to make some maneuvers. If you get Evan Neal back, just him, probably takes Tyree Phillips out of the equation and the O-line's just the same. Um, and then you have both of them coming back. That's going to be the real interesting one. If both of them come back, you got Neal at right, you got Thomas at left. Who are you going to be putting at guard? Because that's the real thing. You got three guards and you got two positions. 
You can't ignore that Mark Lewinsky has been better over the last two to three weeks. So that's one thing. And those are some talented interiors he played against. Ben Bredesen, who usually takes the game to adjust to a new position. And Justin Pugh, who showed some stuff before he had to move to tackle in the Bills game. So it's all about that. It's all about, you know, where you want to go in terms of that. But Evan Neal or Tyree Phillips versus Max Crosby, either way, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I would like the Giants to give some tight end help, but the Giants um, the Giants only have two tight ends right now. And the third is either going to be Tyree Phillips or Marcus McKeithen. And they have not signed another tight end of the practice squad. Right now it's Ryan Jones and Tyree Jackson backing them up, which both have been converted to tight end from either wide receiver or quarterback. And I don't like that at all. Uh, asset management, management of roster goes to all of that. Let's go to keys to win. Number one is neutralize Max Crosby. That's going to be one of my things. We could talk about how this defense has been playing up, 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 and they've been playing really well over the last few weeks, but Max Crosby is a game wrecker. And, you know, obviously he's got six and a half sacks on the season. Not anybody else on that defense can compare to the production he's had and the talent he has. With that being said, the Giants will have to neutralize him, whether he's on the right or left side. He's gonna probably going to be on that right side against Phillips or Neal. So neutralize him. Neutralize him. Run the football is number two. Run the football. And when I say run the football, I don't mean run it to Saquon for 36 fucking times a game. I mean spread it out between him, Brita. If Corbin's playing great, Deion Jackson too. And also... You know, I feel like Deion Jackson's going to be active this game. Use him out of the backfield, right? we got two running backs on IR, so use the running backs that you do have. Space him out, do whatever, but uh, run the football. This is a bad Raiders run defense, and we've experimented with that before. Number three, get something going through the air. This is more of an evaluation standpoint for Daniel Jones if you're looking at it that way. Uh, personally, I'm not, but it's just a key talking point. This is a Raiders defense that has been inconsistent. They're ninth against the pass. Daniel Jones needs to do some things. And it's in a dome. It's in a dome. So it's not like it's MetLife Stadium or it's Orchard Park. Uh, Daniel Jones needs to do some things through the air. If he's healthy, if he's coming back, he's got to play well. He's got to play well. Or he's not saving his job at all or making an effort to save his job. And it's pretty much as simple as that. It's pretty much as simple as that. So neutralize Max Crosby, run the football, get something going through the air. Um, Another one, obviously, would be getting to Aiden O'Connell, but I feel like the defense is going to resolve that in itself because I think it's a reality that the defense will do that week on week on week, but at the same time, the offense has been garbage and the defense is eventually going to get tired out. So my score prediction, call me negative. The Raiders are playing with house money, kind of like the Colts were last year with Jeff Saturday. They won their first game against the Raiders, and I think the Raiders are going to turn that energy that they have with Antonio Pierce and say, Let's beat up another bad football team and try to make a run for it. I think the Raiders are going to win this game 16-10 to uh, for some reason. And I know their offense is equally bad. But for me, I mean, special teams could also play a factor. They have Daniel Carlson, uh, their punter. Let's see who that is real quick. I'm forgetting the name right now. A.J. Cole, he's solid. Um, and we have solid special teams too. Obviously, Cade York is our kicker, but uh, that's going to change a couple of different things. I just feel like it's going to be... You know, one mistake will be the factor of who wins this game. And I think the Raiders are going to come out on top, 16-10. So with that being said, 
We'll shift it over to the discussion portion with Farrell NFL. Uh, he does Raiders content, all that sort of good stuff. Be sure to check him out. Let's shift it over. All right, so we are now with Farrell NFL, who is a Raiders content creator. And I ought to ask this, Farrell, uh, what's Raider Nation looking like this week? Obviously, you guys pretty much beheaded uh, most of, or at least most of what controls the organization, the GM, the head coach, and also the offensive coordinator. What's the energy looking like in Raider Nation? Upbeat energized positive I, f- I feel like uh with mcdaniels it just feels it felt like we had no hope because the guy was supposed to be an offensive genius he comes in and he comes in with all these super bowl w- rings and how he coached all these top 10 offenses didn't never lived up to it uh going back to when he, fir- he uh, his first year with the raiders in 2022 uh with all these expectations with getting Devonte adams getting chandler jones the year before, prior in 2021, we went to the playoffs. So the Raiders are like, okay, we got better. We got even better players. And we expected this explosive offense, a team that was, you know, primed to make another playoff run. That never happened. Uh, we we d- digressed. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have as, as, as good as offense as we thought it was going to be. And then this year happened. And this year, man, uh, we were like one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, quarterback was supposed to be better because he got his guy in Jimmy G and he got rid of Derek Carr. And we thought him and Derek Carr was going to be that, you know, it was going to be, wow, you got You got a guy that's coached all these top 10 offenses. You put an offensive mind with a solid, you know, good QB and Derek Carr never happened. Obviously you fast forward, Derek Carr was traded away and we're now here. And Jimmy G is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He leads the league in interceptions and he's missed two games. Um, we one of the worst rushing offenses in the league. And last year, you know, we all know that Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. That was one of the bright spots on offense last year. And it's it's just we we're like, where what happened to this offensive genius that we thought we were gonna get from New England? And it's just the sad truth about a, a New England coaching coach coaches not living up to, you know, what we think they're gonna be because they've won all these championships with uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I, we definitely had. Uh, that experience just a few short years ago uh, with Joe Judge, of course. But uh, before we get into some of the other stuff, I do want to backtrack a little bit because when the Raiders hired McDaniels, I personally wasn't a fan because I saw myself, you know, what happened with Matt Patricia, what happened with Joe Judge. And we all know what happened with McDaniels when I believe he was a uh, head coach uh, with the Broncos, I think it was, and then all the, the Jay Cutler, Tim Tebow stuff. Did you want McDaniels as a head coach or did you have to do some self-convincing to say, okay, well, Mark Davis has made the right decision? No, I didn't want McDaniels. I, I like obviously anything to do with the Patriots as a Raider fan, we do not want. I mean, the first reaction was like, ah, oh, come on. Like, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, as any ready, any Raider fan will be the first to tell you when, you, when the Patriots come to mind, we think of tuck rule. We think of, you know, Brady and the Patriots and no one likes the Patriots. Right. So um, we weren't Raider Nation was kind of like, ah, like we didn't really want that. Me, me personally, I didn't want that initially. Then I kind of grew to like it. I'm like, you know what? This might work. You know what I mean? He, it was 10 years since his last coaching stop. Maybe he's learned from then. Obviously, no one questions his uh, his X's and O's, his, his, his mind when it comes to football. And it, no one really questioned that. It was his ability to lead men. That was the question mark. And it's still a question mark. And I think at this point we can we can confidently say that he, you know, sometimes coordinators don't make great 
head coaches, and he's he just fits the bill. And for me, I wanted at that time, I wanted uh, Jim Harbaugh, and now that can be a possibility this year too as well. Very true. And what did you think in the games after John Gruden resigned? The way Rick Basaccia coached the Raiders. I thought I thought he did a good job. I, th- I thought he did a good job, um, like keeping the locker room together. Uh, you can tell, like the players were playing hard for him. You can tell they believed in Ch- like they that locker room was unbelievably cl- close. Like with everything that went on, you mentioned John Gruden, but that was the same year the Henry Rugg situation happened, where you know he unfortunately uh, killed someone, and and all, with all that happening. The locker room still stood together, still made a playoff run. I think we ended the season winning four or five straight going into the playoffs. And we hung in there with the Cincinnati Bengals who end up going to the Super Bowl. So you would think, you know, Mark Davis would probably hire him as a coach. But I understood it. I kind of understood why Mark Davis wanted to go away from Rick uh, with Bisaccia was because at the end of the day, like he's he's a special teams coordinator. He's never been in a head coach. He's been in the league for almost like 20 plus years, never been a head coach. And you can't just look at it from like, okay, we got a head coach. He's a good guy. But then who is he going to, who's his staff going to be? You know, like you got to think, he was thinking a lot of steps ahead. And in today's NFL, everybody wants to get that bright offensive minded coach to get, and then to coach young quarterbacks. And you, you know how it goes. Absolutely. So we moved to, um, actually, we'll start out with this. We mentioned I, I mentioned it a little earlier. They're playing. I'm gonna guess that the the Raiders locker room is definitely more loose now. What do you are you behind Antonio Pierce? Do you think like, hey, this guy's bringing not as a full time head coach, just for the rest of the year? Let's see what this guy's got. He's bringing a new energy to the to the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open mind to it. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm at this point, you know, like with McDaniel's, he was just like he sucked the the energy out of. The fan base, you could tell the locker room, even though we didn't, didn't really see anything come out from the locker room, you could just tell like the, he, he lost the locker room, like people were questioning. And and, you know, we heard even Mark Davis had lunch with some of the top players, top leaders before he made his decision before firing McDaniel. So I'm sure it wasn't good. So, um, you know, and, and, and hey, you know what, Mark Davis, that was a tough decision for him because he had to pay like forty five million to get out of the contract, which is a lot of money for an owner to pay uh, to a coach who's not going to be coaching anymore. Uh, but as far as Pierce, I think it's like the opposite of McDaniels. You know, you got a guy that the players can relate to. He, he was a former player, played for the Giants. And, um, and you know, he's, he's, he seems like he's going to be a good leader, a leader of men. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of where they're geared. And there's nine games left, so anything can happen. So I have an open mind. But I do understand at the end of the day, like if he doesn't get the job done, you know, Mark Davis has to make a decision at the end of the season. Absolutely. So move to the quarterback position, and I've gotten a couple of Raider fans' uh, expertise on this. Obviously, you guys signed Jimmy G. That has not worked out. He got benched. We'll get to Aiden O'Connell on a different question. Yeah. Did you, did you feel at the time it was time to move on from Derek Carr, or did you disagree with that? It's tough because Derek Carr has been with the Raiders for like nine years. And if you talk to Raider Nation, you'll talk to one fan. They'll be like, they're, they're all for Derek Carr. They understand that Derek Carr plays for an organization that, you know, let's be honest, they've kind of been dis- dysfunctional for the last 20 years plus. Like they, they've been a losing organization. And then you put in a quarterback who's constantly 
you know, been around different coaching staffs, different coordinators, different offenses, terrible defenses. At the end of the day, the result of that is a, a Derek Carr. Not not to make any excuses. He, at the end of the day, he didn't get the job done as well. Um, there, you know, everybody has to be accountable. But for me, I think Derek Carr. Uh, you know, it's it's tough because it just wasn't a good mix with him and and uh, Josh McDaniels. And at this point, like we don't know what works with Josh McDaniels other than Tom Brady. Um, and I think it's probably time. It I think it was time for them to go their separate ways. It was tough though because you know he didn't want to leave. A lot of there's part of Raider Nation that didn't want him to leave, and it was a sad ending. And the way it happened too, like he benched him, and still there's two two games left. It was kind of a weird exit. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, we're in a division with Mahomes and uh, Herbert, like, and let's be honest, like, and now, and Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr is probably, like, the first, fourth best quarterback if, if he was still playing in this division. So we, we got we to gotta find a replacement. Yeah, definitely. And also, from the one game this season, also what you saw in the preseason – um, what were you, what are your thoughts on Aiden, Aiden O'Connell thus far? When we drafted him, I'm like, oh, come on, man! Like, are you serious? Come on, it's twenty, it's 2023. You know, the NFL is moving in direction of getting these young dual threat quarterbacks that can pass it as well as run. And I just feel like he didn't fit that mold. Um, and that's just a classic example of McDaniel's just kind of stuck in the past. Because you got to remember, he was there when they drafted Mac Jones in New England. Look at Mac Jones struggling. You know what I mean? It's it's tough, man. The D linemen are super athletic nowadays. So if you're not if you're not out there getting the ball out and you're not Tom Brady, which at the end of the day, that's kind of the yesteryear quarterbacks. It's it's tough. But that being said, he did impress me in preseason. He's pretty accurate, poised. Um, he he did have a tough game this year where he did come in. And he had a lot of turnovers in the first half, but he fought his way back, ended up being a close game. Um, and the play calling was suspect for McDaniels. He's obviously gone. Uh, the offensive the offensive coordinator now was is the QB coach. So he got promoted. So I know he's f- pretty familiar with, uh, you know, strength, strengths and weaknesses of uh, Aiden O'Connell. So we'll see. But this is a tough game going against um, your defense coordinator, uh, uh, Wink uh, Martindale, where he where he blitzes like almost every other play. Absolutely. Um, we talked a little bit beforehand about Josh Jacobs, one of the best backs in the league. The rushing game ranks near bottom. Is that due to the offensive line? Is that due to the utilization of Josh Jacobs? What's going on over there? Uh, it's 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 due to the offensive line. I think pass blocking is kind of started the season okay. They're, they're pretty solid, but run blocking has been suspect. And I think that's partly to do with the type of own lineman that we have, I feel like we fit more of a zone blocking scheme more than a power blocking scheme with their, which is what they're trying to implement with them. Cause a lot of times we're playing against, uh, you know, D linemen, we're getting, we're not getting any push. Um, now that being said, I felt like last week was probably against the, the lions. Uh, I felt like that was probably our best game where we uh, rushed the ball with Josh Jacobs. Um, I don't know what the final numbers were, but we were pretty efficient running the ball with Josh Jacobs but that being said, it's it's been an issue all season, and run blocking has been an issue. Josh Jacobs holding out most of off season, and then not coming until like the first game of the season contributed to the slow start as well. But I think it's it's getting better. It's it's getting better. I, I would say. Definitely. Do you think he's going to get? And I know this is far fetched uh, in terms of you know predictions and whatnot, because 
again, Josh McDaniels just got fired and all these different things are surrounding Raider Nation. Do you think he gets another contract in Vegas? Well, the the Josh Jacobs is extremely close with with the owner Mark Davis, and when when Mark when Mark is hearing your your best players are having issues with the coach on top of the coach not producing, that kind of contributed to McDaniel's going away. Like it, it just it was a combination of a lot of different things, along with losing the fan base. Like it would have been a riot at every Raider game, but um, it's it really depends on the regime that comes in, um, and I think. I, th- I felt like they were going to bring him back. There was a chance, but it was hard to say because New England uh, has always been uh, known to not pay running backs. And that's a lot. And the NFL is really kind of going in that direction anyways. No one's really paying in, in, like running backs. A lot of the running backs, like jo- Jonathan Taylor didn't get paid until, until like, what, a fifth, fourth game in the season, fifth game in the season. So uh, Josh Jacobs, it's, it's going to be hard to say because after this year, it really depends on how this, the season – there's nine games left. We'll see how – shakes out but it's it's tough to say it really depends on the regime coming in right and going to one of the headlines that well other than the uh firing of uh, josh mcdaniels and dave ziegler Devonte adams what was your first reaction to when the raiders traded for him and also zooming into now do you sympathize with his frustration frustrations within the offense yeah, I mean, man, when my first reaction, I, I like I have it still I still have it up on my channel. I was I was going crazy. I thought we were gonna we're going to the Super Bowl. We just came off a playoff. We and we're we're making all these big moves. Uh obviously the Raiders were pretty aggressive that offseason, which which add to the excitement and, and added to the expectations of this team. And you know, they never lived up to it. Uh now, you know, fast forward, yeah, I can understand why he's frustrated. I mean, he played with Aaron Rodgers for most of his career. So he's used to getting the ball, playing with the top quarterback. And now he's playing with Jimmy G, who might be might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, now he's not starting anymore, thank God. But um, And now he's going to be playing with a rookie quarterback. He, he played with Brian Hoyer a few weeks ago. So it's like it's everything is new to him because he's coming from Green Bay, played with top quarterback, and now I understand what's what's going on. But I, will, I have a lot of respect for him too as well because he's not the prototypical – superstar receiver he he's kind of a diva but he's really not like he he won't he'll he he's he, i feel like he's a really good leader in that locker room he carries himself well but i understand the frustration coming from him because he's used to winning and playing with top tier talent that quarterback position right moving on to another wide receiver and this is just what been one of my biggest questions is for probably like the last two years i'd say there's been all this trade talk around Hunter Renfro. Obviously, he never got moved. But why is he in trade talks or at least trade rumors across the NFL or was before this deadline, even last year? Because going back to Josh McDaniels in this offense, um, he just didn't fit. Um, when when, when uh, Hunter Renfro first came into the league, he kind of struggled a little bit. Um, and he had like an interview, I, I remember, when he pretty much said that he had to figure something out. He had he had like a, a moment where he had to really look himself in the mirror and 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 he knows that like if he continued to play the way the coaches wanted him to play, he was going to be out the league in two years. Um, and then Gruden kind of gave him that green light to run his routes his own way. And we all seen the third and Renfro is as Raider Nation likes to call him on third down. He hit one of the best probably route runners in the league. 
but he has an unorthodox way of like getting his releases. He has a, he has a different way of running his routes. But with Josh McDaniels, it was different because it was his way or the highway, and and he didn't he didn't allow that uh, creativity that Hunter Renfro is known for, and it just never was a good fit. Um, and you know they almost almost got traded. You know, um, and I think it didn't happen because they kind of gave him a contract the year prior, so they were pretty confident and aggressive that goes back to their aggressive offseason that it just didn't work out but i think uh you know you know if you hear hunter renfro he's he's talking about like he he feels free a little bit more freer now because i think now they're giving him the green light to be himself so i i still think he's a good player it's just it wasn't a fit with josh mcdaniels right moving to another player now this is just from the outside perspective i don't know if he's gotten more involvement I am a big Michael Mayer fan because Notre Dame is my favorite college. Mm. Has he been involved more? And if he hasn't, would you like them to involve him more? Oh, the definitely. Offense? Definitely. And, and the thing is, I didn't really know too much of uh, – I, I knew a little bit about him, but when, when the Raiders drafted him, I'm like, okay, I, I could see why they wanted to go after him. Okay, they, to replace a guy that's playing out with the Giants in Darren Waller. Uh, is he is he healthy this week? <laughs> oh, he's he's a, he, believe it or not, he's an IR candidate, man. And that's kind of been our issue with Darren Waller is that he's always he's always hurt and uh, great talent, but always hurt. But as far as uh, Michael Mayer, uh, man, I can see it. I can see the talent, man. Uh, the dude is he's he's all of six four, physical, uh, good yak. I didn't know how good he was after the catch. And with Darren Waller, I think that wasn't his strength as well as Michael Mayer. It's like kind of a different type of tight end and that we weren't used to. And he, he's really physical, strong hands, can really – but the thing is is that we've seen it in spurts, and we haven't really been able to, you know, get him involved. And that kind of goes for the rest of the offense as well. Like we have all these pieces on offense, and that kind of goes to the frustration of Raider Nation is that like we, we see the we see Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers is a good number two receiver. You just mentioned Hunter Renfro. And then my, Michael Mayer, Josh Jacobs, you got all these pieces in offense, but we're averaging 15.8 points a game, 16 points a game. And it's, it's just frustrating to watch. And we, yeah, to answer your question, we haven't been able to get, get him all. But when we've seen him get catches, when we've seen him make plays, we can see the potential. Definitely. Moving to the O-line, the Raiders have allowed the 10th most sacks in the NFL. The Giants have allowed the most. Um, how is the overall O-line playing obviously you mentioned you know a little bit not great in the run blocking better in the pass blocking also besides the entire o-line one player in specific because i scouted him last year and i really wanted him for the giants because i think he'd be a good fit mm -hmm. dylan parham he he's 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 coming along i think it just goes back to what i said earlier he he's more he's not a power player and we're in the our o-line our coaches coaching staff Prior to McDaniel's, there uh, and they're probably gonna. They're, at this point, they're not gonna change the whole scheme in the middle of the season. But they're they're they have, they're trying to run a power scheme. And Dylan, Dylan Parham, solid player. He had a really good start, especially at right guard. Then they moved him to left guard, and it was kind of an adjustment period. But you know, he he's pretty solid. It's just that at the end of the day, like they're trying to run a power scheme with this O line overall. And sometimes you know he gets overpowered back there if he's playing against, you know, really uh, good D tackles. So I think that's an issue. I think he fits more of a zone blocking system. Some people kind of project him maybe to be a center. Um, you know, there's people who've been saying that, but I think he's solid. It's just at the end of the day, like 
he 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 fits more of a, a zone blocking system in my opinion. Right, and now we switch gears onto the defensive side of the ball, and we'll start with a former Giant coordinator who is the defensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders. What are your thoughts the last two years on? And we'll get in some specifics, of course. Uh, what are your thoughts last two years on Patrick Graham's scheme and his execution as a defensive coordinator? It's 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 mixed, but at the end of the day, we don't we don't really have a lot of talent on that defense. We got over a hundred million dollars invested in that offense, but you look at our defense, it's a lot of Joe Schmoes. Like there's not really a lot of big names other than obviously Max Crosby. You got a game plan against him, but there's a lot of guys who are still trying to we're trying to figure out that some young players are still developing some role players that obviously can get replaced. So he hasn't really had a lot to work with, but I will say uh, this year, he's kind of had some games where, where the defense has actually been carrying this team. Um, we're three and five and all the games that we've won been ugly. And you can probably say the defense pretty, pretty much carried the team to went to the win. So I think he's, he's done all right. He, I think he's been, he's been doing pretty solid as far as, uh, but there are times where he just, he, it's a little bit vanilla for me. I, I'm not seeing like the exotic looks like, the, like a, a guy like Wink uh, Martindale, I'm sure it's pretty exciting to watch as a fan. Like he's throwing all types of crazy looks, all types of blitzes, super aggressive. And I don't, Patrick Graham is like the opposite of that. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mixed, mixed feeling with Patrick Graham. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of in the same like uh, lens in terms of like sort of frustration or distaste because the first year, I mean, we were pretty happy, you know. Hey, Patrick Graham defense, you know, that basically carried our team to a a six and ten season with the almost playoff berth in the terrible NFC East. But the second year, we expected a lot more because I mean, the defense did add Rory Jackson and a couple other pieces, but. After a while, he just didn't know what to do in certain situations. And I'll give him this. You know, the defense wasn't as talented in some areas. But at the same time, like, there would be bend but don't break concepts. I'm just like, dude, this is not what I want to see on, on yeah. defense to where Wink. And there are times I get pissed off with him because he is over aggressive at times. Like, you'll be having a third and 16 and there's a screen and he'll be blitzing the hell out of the opposing team. And that's a first down for them. But I can't say he's frustrated me too much this season, especially within the last three games where the unit is playing awfully well and you're dealing with that another, a pass rusher being out and this, that, and the other thing. You're still dealing with a rookie corner, which I'm really interested to see how he plays this game. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I could probably sense the frustration and distaste, and I agree with that going back to you know two, three years ago when we had him. And speaking specifically within the defense, you did mention the talent. Why has the run defense been so poor? They rank 30th, and the pass defense is top 10. Well, that goes it, – this goes back to a lot of Raider Nation's uh, frustration, a lot of Raider fans' frustration is the fact that we haven't really addressed some of, some of the key positions on defense. A lot of the investment has been in offense, and as you can see, we're frustrated because the offense hasn't been living up to all the hype. Um, and that, you know, our linebackers uh, are kind of suspect. That middle of the defense is pretty much – the reason why we've been struggling against the run, our D tackles has have you know they haven't really made plays like that. I mean they're coming along as far as rushing the passer didn't didn't start off well. Tackling has been an issue. Tackling I would say is has been a big issue. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've if you watched the the film or the tape on uh, that Chicago Bear and Raider game. Man, they they ran wild on this. Um, we made Deontay Foreman look like 
uh, Barry Sanders out there. I mean, he was he was doing everything against us. Um, but yeah, I think I think our issue is the middle of our defense, and it's something that we have to address in the offseason. There's just no way around it. Definitely. And it seems like that's been the issue for years now. Because remember, 2021, when we played y'all, it was kind of the same story. Mm-hmm. That where, well, I mean, both run defenses were bad, and the Giants' run defense has gotten better. But um, obviously, we'll see in, ter- in terms of this game if they could stop uh, Josh Jacobs like they stopped Brees Hall last week. And also, continuing on the defensive side of the ball, I'll get to my second part of the question in a minute. But mm-hmm. I looked at the stat sheet, and I know the stat sheet doesn't always tell the story, but I have a feeling that this is probably going to turn out that way. Um, Max Crosby, six and a half sacks on the season. Is there anybody else that can get to the quarterback consistently? Because all I see is six and a half sacks for Crosby. One, 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 one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's the Max Crosby show, and that's the big issue. You know, there's no one really outside of, you know, Max that's really going to get to the quarterback. He kind of makes it happen. I mean, I think the last few games we've seen a few players kind of get a few pressures. Uh, Tyree Wilson on, uh, you know, our seventh uh, first round pick finally got his first sack against the Bears. Um, But, you know, it's still like a work in progress. Um, He's still developing. Chandler Jones is a wall. He's not part of the team anymore, but he was supposed to be the starter on the other side. And obviously he's not part of the team anymore. So that was kind of supposed to be the 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 Robin to 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 basically Max Crosby being the Batman. Um, but yeah, man, that it's it, the game plan should be to stop Max Crosby because that that guy he's he's a game changer, he's a game wrecker. And what are your thoughts? Um, obviously, there's there's all sorts of speculation, but you know, what were your thoughts when the whole Chandler Jones thing went down? It was strange, strange. It just added to the frustration of the team not performing at the level that it should, uh, especially offensively defensively and it just goes it just goes to the Raiders being a, a defunctional dysfunctional team as a Raider fan you know I've been following them since I you know all, pretty much most of my life I've seen everything <laughs> I've seen every type of dysfunction every type of crazy story that you can you can imagine and it just adds to the Raiders dysfunction and you know as time goes on we'll probably know a little bit more especially that interaction between him and what happened behind the scenes with between him and McDaniels and Ziegler because he kind of went at them, especially. But, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a, to me, from the outside looking in, it, it, it seems to me like a mental health issue. But it's just so crazy because he was just, he was just, just in the offseason, during preseason, talking about how he wanted to rebound. And, you know, after having a disappointing, um, you know, first year uh, with the Raiders, he, 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 you know, he lost some weight, uh, you know, maybe to get a little bit quicker. And then all of a sudden, he he's not around, he's not around in tra- a training camp, and then the season rolls around, and we find out that you know he's not a part of the team. So it's just a strange situation. Just adds to the Raiders, man, just being a dif- dysfunctional team at times. Yeah. Uh, moving to a little bit further into the game prep, any position by position, or I guess player against player matchups that you're looking forward to watch. Uh, man, uh, I mean, just Max Crosby going against y'all line. I mean, I think, I think he's going to be a, a big matchup just no matter who, who he plays against. Um, I think Josh Jacobs, uh, I, I felt like he had a really solid game, uh, last week, this week. I think he has a good matchup. Um, I, I know, I know 
the Raiders probably have one of the worst run defense in the league, but you guys are not right. You guys are kind of right there as far as um, yards per carry. You guys give them like 4.8 yards per carry. Kind of seen that. I don't know if you could talk about that a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, Jacobs is going to be a huge part of the game plan uh, this week, um, especially going in there with a rookie quarterback. I'm going to be excited to see Aiden O'Connell out there, but it's still going to be a tough matchup, especially a young quarterback going against a blitzing team like this. I know he, a guy like Wink Martindale is going to throw all types of looks against him, so that's going to be interesting to see as well. Yeah, to add to that point about the yards per carry and stuff like that, I don't know what number it currently as is. It might be 4.8, might be a little less. Yeah. But beginning of the season, it was just – the first game I can never evaluate because it was 40 to nothing game was over in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Second game, I feel like we allowed more yards than just overall as a defense than much needed. Christian McCaffrey ran on us, but it was probably his second worst or worst game of the season. So that's like the one thing you take out of that. Um, couldn't really make much of the game against Seattle, the game against the uh, Dolphins. I mean, the defense was just overall terrible, but Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert ran all over us. I mean, it was backyard football type stuff. So that was frustrating. Uh, but they started to come around and hopefully, again, they keep this consistency the turning point against Buffalo. Now, they gave up 5.1 to James Cook, but overall the yardage, I believe, was under 4.3 for the whole rushing team. Mm -hmm. um, then you move to Washington. They didn't do too bad, and then they held up Reese Hall pretty well, forcing Zach Wilson to beat them through the air and stuff like that uh, in terms of that. And one question I got to ask before we get, go into some X factors or whatnot, I think it was eight sacks that Aiden O'Connell took against the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. Was some of that due to his lack of pocket presence and him being in there for the first time? Yeah, you, you can see the inexperience. He was holding the ball a little bit too long. Um, some, some, some of it maybe might have been a little bit of O-line, but there were times where he needed to get the ball out of his hand, and he wasn't doing that. I mean, I know Khalil Mack is, you know, Khalil Mack. He's one of the best rushers in the league, but he had like five, six sacks like in the first half. Um, and he just you know, that's just uh, a learning experience for a guy like Aiden O'Connell. Like he needs to get the ball out and he was kind of holding in because he's probably confused at what he was seeing because preseason and the regular season is a whole different story. Preseason, you're seeing a lot of vanilla defense. You're probably seeing the same defense over and over again. So it's easy for him to go back there and he played well in the preseason, but in regular season, these defensive coordinators are going to throw different looks, looks that he hasn't seen. And the defense, the speed is going to be a lot quicker, faster, but I, I feel like he adjusted in that second half, but uh, that's what has me that that has me concerned about this game because I know that you know just wink just Martindale just knowing that he's going to be facing a rookie quarterback, he's just he's waiting he's just salvating at this point like he's going to be waiting to to throw some at uh, at Aiden O'Connell to confuse him and make a force a turnover. Two x two x factors for the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday: one on offense and one on defense. Uh, like I said, um, Max Crosby, and let me give you someone someone else on defense. Um, uh, Morig, Trayvon Morig, the safety. I think he's had his best year since he came in the league. Last year was a struggle for him to adjust to his defense. Um, he went from that Gus Bradley uh, single house safety defense, and then he goes to this kind of split safety de defense with um, Patrick Graham. And I think that this year he's kind of he kind of has been stepping up. So I feel like. You know, I, th I feel like he can make a play uh, t uh, this Sunday. And then offense would probably be Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, man. He's gonna get. He's gonna get the ball <laughs> with a rookie quarterback. He's he's gonna get the ball. Look. And then 
If you're in the shoes of a Raiders coach, or you could be a fan on the couch, game planning against the Giants, who's one player you're looking at on offense for the Giants and one player on defense? You said one player on offense for the for the Giants? Yes, and one player on defense. Man, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm looking at Daniel Jones. I mean, the guy, he's – look – I think the issue with 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 the Raiders defense is inconsistency and like I said, lack of talent. But when we play mobile quarterbacks, for some reason they they get outside of the quarterback, outside of the uh, the pocket, and they just kill us. So I think Daniel Jones can definitely be a, a player that we got to look out for. Um, is is the running back healthy? Say, Saquon, Saquon Barkley is healthy and he will be playing. Ooh, that's I, you know what I take that back. I think he's going to be the number one player on the board. Especially how much we've been struggling against um, struggling against a run and tackling has been an issue. So Saquon for sure is going to be numero uno on that board. And then uh, defensively, uh, defensively, I know you guys have a guy that you drafted last last uh, the last draft. Um, I can't pronounce his name, but he has like eight and a half sacks. So Avon Thibodeau. Whoo, man! And and the, the crazy thing is is that I didn't really expect him to be that good so early. I mean, I thought he had. A little bit, we're all coming out, but he's he's stepping up, especially with Mar- in this uh Wink Martinell defense, where everybody kind of gets involved in that defense and gets sacks. So he's he kind of lead. I think does he lead the team in sacks? I believe he leads the team in sacks at eight and a half, and I believe he's tied for fourth in the NFL in sacks. Yeah, and then I know you guys drafted. Uh, we actually drafted his teammate. Um, I, I know you guys drafted Deontay Banks. I don't know how he's coming along. Is he uh is he playing well? He's he's played well. He's had some struggles. I mean, last week was probably his worst start to finish because he faced Garrett, off Garrett Wilson and he mm-hmm. gave up like 100 yards. And I think he also had a penalty too and some good plays. Uh, I think if they do trust him, and this is going to be also telling because Dory Jackson's a free agent, if they put him on Devontae Adams, I think that's going to be his biggest test. Uh, yeah, it's a rookie quarterback. I think that's going to be his biggest test. Uh, this season because he's faced some wide receivers, some really good wide receivers, but I think Devontae Adams is going to be his biggest test and will tell us a lot, to be honest. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That's barbecue chicken for uh, Devontae Adams right there. <laughs> I, I would do the same thing if it was uh, it was vice versa. So <laughs> the, the feeling the feeling in that sense is uh, mutual, of course. Right. Um, do you have a winner for this game? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be biased, of course. I'm a Raider fan, but uh, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mean, this, is, this goes back to how much Raider fans have been frustrated all season. We have yet to score over 20 points as an offense this whole season, So, <laughs> which, is, which, is cr- which is crazy. It's crazy, and that, that kind of goes back to me saying they average like 16 points a game. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Raiders pulling out. It's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a close game, defensive game, ugly game. I'm going to go uh, – I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go 20, 20 to 16 Raiders. Okay. 20 to 16 Raiders. Finally get, get that 20-point mark. And then last but not least, where can people find you in your work? Well, you can find me on, on YouTube, of course, Pharaoh NFL, like you see it on the screen. On YouTube, uh, man, if, if you're a Raider fan, love football, come check me out. Subscribe. Uh, also, all over social media, same same name as you can see on the screen, Farrell NFL, all over. Yeah, definitely. So looking forward to a, yet another defensive game uh, for the Giants, at least. Uh, the Raiders will be probably bringing the same ingredients. But as always, I appreciate 
the opposing content creator this time would be Farrell coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, check his stuff out, Twitter, YouTube, all the other good stuff. Uh, as for this podcast, like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff. Um, use the SeatGeek code, $20 off. SeatGeek, Big Blue in the Bronx, that's your promo code. We appreciate you guys. More content coming your way, and we'll see you next time. 